First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. You can open your Bibles, you can look at the screen, you can open up your flat screens. This First Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, not because we're supposed to at this time, but I know, Father, that this pastor needs for you to do the talking. I honestly just don't want to get in your way today, God. I want you to be able to clearly teach us and help us understand how unbelievably powerful and sneaky that our enemy is. But I also want everyone here to realize that he's weaker than you are. You are our almighty God, our all-powerful God. You are a God that reigns, and you are supreme, and you are sovereign. Father, I know that each one of us walk into this place at different stages. There might even be one or two, Father, that are, well, window shopping. Trying to figure out all this God stuff, and, and not even wondering if they want to jump in, but... But God, we pray that your spirit would be so abundant today that you would draw each one of us into a closer relationship with you. That you would see this warning as something that's just not casual. Like a dad looking at his son or his daughter who's out just about to leave the house. Saying, hey, I, I, I gotta warn you. There's some hard things out there. And I sense that that's Peter's heart today. Lord, I know that we all come even at different places. But I know because your scriptures tell us that, that if there's sin in our life, even today, we can confess that sin and we can be restored. And we can hear your voice again. We know, Father, that some of us haven't done well casting our care upon you this week. We've worried about it. We've taken it back. We've been really concerned. And God, we want to confess for not trusting you in a way that we can and should. I do pray, Father, for um, the different churches in our area. We've got so many people who are meeting together, who are listening to your word and praising you right here in this neighborhood. And we pray, Father, your spirit would be so active in these churches also. Particularly, we pray for the chapel, Father. And we ask that you would encourage all eight campuses. We pray, Father, for Edge Church right here in Fox Lane and for the Orchard Church. We know, God, that that there are people there looking to you and trusting you to do something big and wonderful in their lives. Father, for just today, we've had a busy week at our church. 
It's been so exciting to be able to see kids learn more about you. We are so grateful for that. But we also know that it's been a busy week for many of us. Highs and lows. So open our hearts. Would your spirit be so unbelievably active today that we would be able to receive your words and apply them to our hearts. We love you, Lord. We do. In your name, amen. You know, Peter starts his next section with a strong warning. He says, stay alert and watch out. Because your enemy, the devil, is like a lion on the prowl, ready to devour you. Now the problem is, is that most of the lions that we see are not very threatening. We go to the zoo and there are quite a few barriers between us and the lions. Alright. Or we have stuffed animals that remind us how cute and cuddly and furry lions are. There's a bank that even has a mascot and hands these out and say, oh, our lion is caring and our lion wants to make sure you're doing well. And, our, and, and so we get all these mixed messages. Lions are okay. Lions are okay. You know. But Peter says this, you keep staying alert because lions are sneaky and deadly. In fact, many are clueless about, well, the spirit world and even casual about Satan. But no one is ever casual about a lion. You see, the devil, our adversary, prowls around like a lion, actively seeking someone to devour. The enemy's whole goal is to be able to eat you up, to take life away from you, to steal from you all that you're supposed to enjoy, is to make life miserable for you. The metaphor is apt for a prowling lion attacks suddenly, viciously, and often when it's un unexpected. When someone is just, well, operating in regular routines. Now I know we have some younger people in our congregation right now, so I'm just going to give a parent alert on the next clip I'm going to show. There's not going to be any sound. It's about one minute long. And the reason actually I'm going to show this clip, don't show it yet. The reason I'm going to show this clip is that it's going to show how lions respond. Now, we may know this, but I think we're going to get a better idea in one minute. So we're going to show that clip. So parents, what you need to do. You know, can you turn the sound on for the out off? I don't want the sound on this one. Thank you. If you can. Thank you. That's a really nice zebra. Just minding its own business. 
actually, if you Google line attacks, you will have your whole afternoon filled with them. All right, if, if, if that's what you want to do. But let me share with you just a little bit of why I showed this. You know, if we are unaware, if we're unconcerned, or even apathetic, it makes sense why Peter is shouting. He says, stay alert, be sober. Don't you understand that we are in a war? And nobody is casual about a war. And nobody is casual about an enemy. And nobody would ever treat lions haphazardly. If we knew one was in our backyard, or in our bedroom, or any of those different things. But Peter says, stay alert and be sober. He forbids not only physical drunkenness, but speaks to any other kind of mental intoxication or addiction which inhibits spiritual alertness or laziness of the mind which lulls Christians into sin or carelessness. You see, Peter uses the same word in this book in chapter 1, verse 13, and in chapter 4, verse 7, to encourage spiritual alertness for life and for prayer. Paul couples together prayer and being alert in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. The Apostle John knows how easily Christians can lose their spiritual concentration through mental intoxication with the things of this world. At the end of 1 John chapter 5, John writes this, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not love, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our accomplishments and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does not please God will live forever. Be aware that the spiritual world that is around us and for the influence of Satan which comes through surroundings and relationships. Now, there are warnings all the way through the scriptures. And there are lots of warnings about temptations. And what's interesting is that most of the warnings we see about temptations, we kind of put aside. Because many of us feel we are strong enough to be able to stand up to anything. We just have that persona. But in Proverbs 4.14, Solomon writes this, Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even look or don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. In 1 Timothy 6, to the young pastor, Paul writes, But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run, run, or flee from all evil things. In fact, pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith and love and 
perseverance and gentleness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says again to this pastor, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. What Peter is saying, you keep watching out. It's same, uh, he's saying the same thing, just a different way. He's saying be active in looking for ways that Satan desires not only to derail us, but to destroy us. The spiritual forces that assault Christians demand that those who love Christ maintain such vigilance. It really does. You know, it's interesting that prayer always seems to be coupled with watching. The Lord warned his disciples in the very last night that he was alive in Matthew 26. He said, keep watching, keep alert and praying so that you may not enter into temptation. You see, our enemy is both overt and subtle. He's overt. He shows up. He doesn't even care if you know he is around. We saw that in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. We saw it in Mark chapter 1 when the enemy just came right at the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. And then Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says this, We wanted very much to come to you, you Thessalonians, <laughs> the church at Thessalonica, but I tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Satan's also subtle. In 2 Corinthians 11, the scriptures tell us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Peter identifies Satan as our adversary. He calls him your adversary, the devil. The pronoun makes it really personal. Satan is not only the adversary of God and of angels, but to every one of us. We saw that in the book of Job. If you look at Zechariah, it's an Old Testament book, chapter 3, it's very interesting. The very first verse, Satan shows up and wants to attack the high priest. The word adversary is a technical term, meaning legal opponent, legal opponent as well as any other kind. Of enemy. The opposite of this sober watchfulness is a kind of spiritual drowsiness in which one sees in response to the situations no differently than unbelievers. And God's perspective on each event in your life is seldom or even considered. Scriptures say you keep standing firm. Stand your ground. Keep strong in your faith. You see, we flee from temptations, but we actually don't flee from Satan. There is no retreat in, in Peter's language right here. Peter's advice, stand firm against the enemy. You don't have to worry about his power or his authority. Stand firm because you have faith in God. It's not because you are capable. 
James is on the same page in James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humbling yourself. Recognizing again who God is and how much you need to depend on him. That you cannot stand up against the enemy. And you'll be able to resist him. And he will flee from you. Now here is where we get in a little bit deeper. The Apostle Paul goes in much more detail than Peter and James in Ephesians chapter 6. Now many of you have read Ephesians chapter 6. So many of you, especially even in Sunday school time, you, you know, kids will put on the armor of God. And they'll have their whole outfits and there's games and there's all these different things. And, and sometimes, again, because it's so familiar, we forget that there is a war. I'd like to read from you or for you from Ephesians chapter 6. A final word, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We just want to pause. Paul says this, our enemies are not the people you live with, the people you share a cubicle with, the neighbors on your block. Your enemies, the war that you're fighting, are against unseen principalities. Therefore, Paul says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy. In the time of evil, then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. All these words are exactly what Peter's using. You'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the um, shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul is writing to probably the most mature church in all of the New Testament at this time. Paul himself started this church. Paul himself probably stayed here two to three years teaching. Paul then sent his number one person, pastor friend Timothy, to continue to pastor this church. This is not a, a church that doesn't know doctrine. This is not a church that's weak. This is a strong church. And at the end, Paul's saying this. I have to remind you, Everything that you think you're fighting against, you're probably not. 
And if you're going to win your battle, you're going to need to put on the whole armor. He starts off, be strong in the Lord because being strong is not strong enough. You can't do this. You and I are incapable of winning this battle, this spiritual battle. Biggest reason is you can't see who you're fighting. Therefore, Paul says, you're in a war. You need to put all of the armor. And you need to use your sword so you can stand firm. Now let me again remind you, not one of us would be casual about going into war. None of us would go to war with flip-flops on and a t-shirt. Alright? It just, you know, and maybe a knife or a crossbow or something, you know, whatever's laying around. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you would show up and people would just mock you and laugh at you. What Paul is trying to say is that don't be casual about this battle. C.S. Lewis was the one that said basically, you know, when we consider the enemy or we consider spiritual warfare, we, we probably do one of two things. We probably look at it very lightly and don't even think it exists. Or we think the devil's literally around every corner. Well, really, probably none of those are true. But my guess is the majority of us who are sitting here are probably lulled to sleep that there's a spiritual war going on. There probably are. And although we think again at times that maybe the enemy might be active, we forget how active the enemy is. And so Paul just says this, put on the belt of truth and put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Really is what he's saying, and I'm going to say it just very simply for you. Um, I think really what Paul is saying is just know and apply the truth of God's word. The knowing and applying the truth of God's word is going to protect you. It will... It will Deflect the enemy's power and authority. Put on shoes. It's the peace, the assurance, the confidence that comes with the good news. Put on your helmet. I'm sorry. Use your shield of faith. A shield protects you from arrows or darts from the enemy. We don't use shields in, in modern warfare today. But back then you understand the picture. The enemy loves to accuse, but your faith in God and his promises protect you. You see, faith grows and gets stronger by hearing and obeying. One of the enemy's strategies over and over again is to look at your past and look at your failures and look at the things that you've done wrong miserably. And be able to bring it up and say, who are you? Why are you worthy? Why are you teaching that Sunday school class? Why are you on a wanna leader? If they only knew what your thought life was like. If they only knew what you did years ago. If they only, and it just goes on and on and on. You're not perfect. You can't even deal with such a, and the accusations will hamstring you, will stop you. 
And the enemy's not even smart. The enemy knows this strategy works. I'm going to keep using it. But again, if we know God's word, we put our faith in God, and we remind the enemy of these promises, we are protected. Put on the helmet. Focus on your full salvation. Understanding your full salvation. We start off in the beginning of our study looking at the three aspects of salvation. It's so wonderful that we've been justified and, and God literally has taken away the penalty for our sin when we put our faith in Him. But we're also being sanctified. That means He's chipping away those things in our life that don't reflect Him well and bring us misery. We can live abundant lives. So we focus on that. And then eternal glorification, where someday when we shut our eyes, we spend eternity with God in an unbelievable environment. He says that's what a helmet does. It reminds you of your amazing, but put the helmet on. Remind the enemy of all these things. And then use your sword. Well, the only offensive weapon. Use your sword, which is God's word. The importance of knowing and using God's word in order to temporarily stop the enemy. The enemy never stops completely. But how wonderful was it in VBS as they focused on what God's word does and how important God's word is. God's word is critical in every one of our lives. Since Satan is a liar, we see that in John, and a deceiver, we see that in Revelation, the only way we're going to be able to stand up against him is by faithful obedience to biblical truth. We need to know God's word. That's why we have young people memorize, even though for some reason we grow out of that habit. I'm not exactly sure what that means. But knowing God's word is critical. And to be able to use that. Interesting how Jesus stood firm against his enemy. I'd love to be able to go to Luke chapter 4 right now, and I'm not going to. And to be able to read through the temptation of Jesus. Now we read through Luke chapter 4, and you can put that in your notes, and you can go back there. But, but it's interesting how Jesus fought Satan. He had just started his public ministry. And the scriptures tell us that he was led to the wilderness. Very unusual. Every time Jesus went to the wilderness, his or his heart or his desire was to spend time with his dad. If you notice, all the way through the scriptures. So he's going to the wilderness. He's expecting, I think, to spend some time with his dad. And the enemy shows up. And the enemy offers some things that actually sound pretty good to probably normal people. But Jesus knew God's plan. And Jesus knew God's word. And even when the enemy misused God's word, Jesus corrected him. You know, the enemy is shrewd. The enemy probably knows the Bible better than you and me. 
The enemy knows your weaknesses. The enemy isn't omniscient and the enemy isn't omnipresent. But the enemy studies you really well. And the enemy knows your checkbook and the enemy knows your um, um, calendar. And, you know, the enemy knows what's important to you. It's really important we know God's Word. What a joy to be a pastor of a church where God's Word is such a priority. Because we know it not only can be used offensively, but it's used to encourage and strengthen and empower each one of us. But Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, used God's Word to thwart the enemy's work in his life. Again, we can look at that, well, that's Jesus, Son of God. Yeah, but, but Jesus was 100% human. And Jesus was under attack. And I suppose if I was the enemy, I would be focusing on Jesus too. I'm pretty sure probably Satan himself isn't focused on anyone in this room. But I'm also pretty sure that he's got legions of angels that are following him and are so destructive and want to bring mayhem. Jesus responds to the scriptures and he knows the scripture. The enemy's strategy works. His methods don't change and he is a lion. That's what Peter says. Peter's wrapping up this book. He's concerned about the church, yet very confident in God. He says, you're in a battle. I know you're just passing through. I know you're in exile. I know this isn't where all your eggs are being put on planet Earth. But I also want you to know that this battle that you're in is a spiritual one. You can't see the enemy. You need to be alert. You need to stand firm against your enemy. You need to realize that the enemy is crouching, that the enemy wants to pounce on you, that the enemy wants to derail you, that the enemy wants to take a chunk out of you, wants to make you limp, wants to destroy you, wants you not to experience the joy of a relationship, a rich relationship with the Lord. So be alert. And stand firm. It boils down to this. Know God's word. It's so encouraging that still many of you have taken that challenge of reading through the Bible in a year. I've chatted with you. You send me emails. And you'll be able to share with me. Hey Rick, in this section or in this way. or Why do you think this is happening? We need to obey God's word. God's Word is not given to us as a book of suggestions. It's the Creator God that says, I know how you're wired, and if you listen to me, you're going to experience abundant life. You're going to kick the enemy's derriere, <laughs> and you are going to be salt and light wherever you go. Use God's Word and trust. God's Word. But I'd be remiss if I didn't read verse 18 of chapter 6. Because so many people leave 
Verse 18, out of the spiritual armor. Let's look at verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. The same word. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what Paul is saying is this. He says you're in the spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to destroy you. He is sneaky. You will never, ever, ever, ever see him coming. He'll be on you before you know it. But this is what I want you to do. Put on this armor. You'll be able to stand firm. You'll be able to move forward. The enemy will not get any ground in your life, in your family's life. But part of the armor is prayer. Pray in the Spirit all the time. Stay alert. Be persistent. Be ruthless. Keep praying all the way through. And you heard me share today. Stay alert and pray. Stay alert and pray. Keep looking around. Notice what's happening. On your way out, if some of you didn't have the opportunity to spend time with us in our monthly prayer gathering, there's a prayer sheet right on the very back table. I'd love for you to take them. That's the sheet that we handed out. But it's helping you be aware of the different things that are going on right here in our church. All over the world, right here in our neighborhood. But to be persistent and to be alert. You hear me and some of us said, Rick, why do we pray for churches in the area? Well, I think that's what Paul just said to do all the time. Pray for Christians everywhere. They may wear a different jersey. I get it, you know. But if they love Jesus, I want them to hear from I want them to be able to join forces with Crosspoint Church and be able to make a kingdom difference. You know, I don't know how many of you read, and I was reminded, I met with a young man on, on Friday morning. And this young dad, he's got four kids. He has a goal to read 100 books in this next year. And he's at about 40, 42 right now. I'm pretty impressed that, that he can do that. But he said, you know, Rick, he says, you know what the last book I read, it kept scared So what's the, what's the last book you read? He said, This Present Darkness. I don't know if you've read This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. Um, there's probably some things in there that probably aren't that biblical. I'll, I'll just let you know. But you know what I loved about This Present Darkness? It gave me a whole different perspective on the spiritual warfare that literally goes on. I'm just so dense sometimes. I'm so busy. I'm so casual. I'm so unaware. I just go through life and I don't really care if a lion is right there. Like, what kind of an idiot am I? Really? I don't care about a lion? I don't care. Well, what do you think? 
Peter kind of ended his letter a little fluffier, a little less gory, a little less uh, kind of, you know, let's all hug each other and leave. Mm -hmm. I think he cared a whole lot about this church. He said, please, please stay alert. Watch. Your enemy is a lion. He crouches. You are never going to expect when he comes. Please put on the whole armor. Learn my word. Be able to stand firm against all the attacks. You need to be prepared. And you're going to walk away a winner. Let's pray. Father, I, I confess, um, sometimes I just do life. I just do nice things, or I just get in schedules, or I just get in uh, rhythms. And I forget. Sometimes I read your word casually, and I forget to memorize. And I think, again, that maybe I just... I, I'm smart enough, and I can do this. God, we, we need your word part of our lives. The enemy is active. And we are in a war. And God, if we are going to stand firm, stay our ground, resist the enemy, we're going to need to stay in your work and to stay on our knees. And we pray, God, that we're a church that advances. We're a church that recognizes that the authorities are moving and they would desire deeply to disrupt and discourage this church, this family, the individuals right here. We know that, God. And we ask for your grace. We ask for your eyes. We ask, dear God, that, that we would be unbelievably spiritually literate. That your word would be more important to us. That our obedience would be quicker. And that we would wear out our pains from being on our knees. Father, we're not afraid of the enemy. But we know that we can't win without you. But we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new to our fellowship, when you walked in, you received a bulletin. And uh, there's a flap on the bulletin, and we would love to be able to get your information, to follow up with you, to encourage you on the journey. Maybe you have a question, or maybe you have a prayer request. Those are all things you can put right in our offering plates as we receive the offering a little bit. But we also, each week, just spend some time listening to God after a message. We've been worshiping, our hearts have been lifted up, and maybe God is talking. Maybe there's some confession. Maybe there's some things that need to change in your life. Why don't you just talk to God for a little bit in the next few minutes?